0: Welcome to the Nanalyze podcast. We are a boutique media and research firm specializing in disruptive innovation. Visit nanalyze.com for more details. Disney stock is the topic of today's presentation. And in this DIS stock analysis, we're going to look at what exactly Disney does and why people might be attracted to it. Now, just some initial thoughts to start. Many investors these days, I think it's because of social media, seem to latch on to whatever name's being talked about by the social media financial experts, uh, of which there are no shortage of. There's also no shortage of great companies to invest in, so um, lots of newbie investors seem like they need to go out searching for some needle in a haystack when there are some very obvious quality companies out there to invest in. Be very careful about turnaround stories or what they call value traps, and we're going to consider if Disney might fall into that category. But always start at the top. So what exactly are you looking for when you find Disney stock to be a possible investment candidate? Well... One of the ways that we can do that very quickly is to start by looking at the sector and industry classification. So we use Yahoo Finance a lot because it's easy to access and navigate through and you can find some key bits of information so that we're all on the same page. So when we look at what a company does, we'll often go to the sector classification to understand what they do. Now, it's a bit tricky for Walt Disney, and I'll tell you why. It's because MSCI in September of 2018, so this was shortly after I left the firm, they underwent the biggest structural change for the GICS classification yet. GICS stands for Global Industry Classification Standard, and it's how we used to classify companies as to what they do. So in this case, the structural change was when the telecom services sector was significantly broadened and then renamed communication services. So you can see here on the right... Uh, some of those changes. So in this new category, you will have uh, names like uh, Alphabet or Google and Facebook, Tencent. You see there, and the old telecoms: AT and T, Verizon. And then, of course, you see Disney, which used to fall under consumer discretionary. So there's actually an entire Wikipedia piece that talks about this was a a big deal. And I'm somewhat sad I wasn't around for all the drama, uh, where a lot of uh, investment managers had opinions about this, as MSCI would often solicit them. And then when it actually went into effect, it was just um, you can read the story. It was quite interesting. But this new communication services sector that you see here. Um, It's broken down even further, and it's rather cool. You see how they they use codes, 50 for communication services, and then you break it down to the next level, 5010 telecom services, 5020 media and entertainment, and then you go all the way down the list. So when you think about communication services, you can also think about it in more detail as to these different buckets now what I like to do when we come across a particular sector is to dive into the biggest constituents of that sector and to do so you can simply look at an ETF so here we've pulled up this State Street Global advisors uh, ETF for the communication services sector has 14 billion dollars of assets under management so it's the largest of all uh, sector, ETFs for communication services. And then we can go to holdings, you see there. And when we click that, we're taken to this page here. And we can see the uh, biggest holdings in this ETF. And it's interesting to see that Facebook and Google uh, make up almost 50% of this ETF. So what we did here is that we clicked daily there to download all holdings. We pulled them into Excel. And then we uh, resolved them using the Refinitiv plugin, which is simply a way of uh, allowing you to import financial data easily. And we did that for all the names in this ETF. And then on the right, we consolidated them by industry. So... Uh, This is really a subsector. They may be using a different classification here than uh, Gix. There's also another out there called ICB. But the point is, we want to isolate Walt Disney and its competitors. We did that here. We could see Walt Disney dominates, at least in terms of market cap, and they compete against names like Warner Brothers, Live Nation, Fox. Uh, etc. So that's one thing that you want to start by doing is understanding who a company competes with and if they're a leader. We only like to invest in leaders uh, in any particular domain. Now, if you're wondering how to do this little trick of pulling financial data into Excel, We put together this piece. It's titled, How to Get Stock Prices in Excel for Free. You can search for it on our website. I like the intro here. I was just going to read it. The hallmark newbie investor is someone who tells you gleefully that the stock they bought a few weeks ago is up 20%, as if short-term price movements have anything to do with the potential of the volatile tech company they probably invested their life savings in. Let the emotional roller coaster begin. So that's how Many newbies um, start to get their feet wet in the stock market, and that's when we like to get a hold of them and teach them how to become better investors. And one way to do that is to analyze the data, and this is a, a great tool. It's called a Refinitiv plugin for Excel that anybody with the, the appropriate version of Excel can utilize. So let's get back to revisiting our thesis. If you think the communication services sector will outperform, invest in Vox ETF or the one that we looked at previously from Spider. Uh, You might want to invest in this sector, but not with the 50% exposure to Google and Facebook and Netflix. If you throw in those three together, it's over 50%. Um, We could invest in the media and publishing subsector, where Walt Disney is the leader by size, but you'd probably need a custom ETF from MSCI to do that, or say a custom index, and then you would create an ETF around it. I'm not aware of an, an ETF that covers that particular niche um, what's happening here, I think, with Disney is that the price volatility and 52-week lows that you can see in the right here—this is a five-year chart taken from Yahoo Finance—are are attracting people. And Disney is a household name, so it's very—it's something very familiar uh, for investors already. And the question here is: This a value trap or value? Well, now that we've talked about where Walt Disney sits in the bigger picture of equities investing, we can look at the 10K now. Right away, we're shown some vanity metrics that we need to be very careful about. So they want to talk about all their channels here. You see the Disney Channel, ESPN. So... Our uh, YouTube channel here is about 95% male, so every every one of those investors will be most most of them at least half that are from America will be very familiar with ESPN and probably watch it rather frequently. So it's then easy to equate that with Disney, when in fact um, that may be a very small component of where Disney drives their revenues and operating income from. And you can see Nat Geo, etc. Some more vanity metrics here. Stations they own in large markets like New York, LA, Chicago. Um, But what we want to focus on today, simple metrics to understand this complex business. What we're not going to focus on, which a lot of people do, and rightfully so, is Disney's excessive participation in ESG or DEI. What movies they choose to make and how they're made. Bob Iger, or whatever internal controversy is being discussed, and Disney's willingness to participate in identity politics. So I wanted to define this term quickly because it's used a lot, and I don't think people really think about what it means, and it's a tendency for people of a particular religion, ethnic group, social background, to form exclusive political alliances and move away from broad-based party politics. And this is very dangerous. So the more that you separate people into tribes, the less likely they are to communicate, the more they isolate and the more they fight. Now, Papua New Guinea, I took this pic- picture here in Mount Hagen. This is one of the more shadier places I've ever traveled to. It's the most linguistically diverse country in the world. I think they speak over 880 languages and one of the most dangerous. They will just take your stuff. A gentleman from Australia and his girlfriend were there just months before I was there and some gentleman came along and wanted his girlfriend, and um, he wouldn't uh, give her up, so they shot him with bows and arrows. So that's this sort of uh, primitive environment, what what, uh, a society will end up uh, acting like when you start to fragment them and they start fighting. So Disney should be bringing people together, not fragmenting them, and that's what we're going to leave that with. Let's take a look at Fragmentation of Disney's revenues. So here we have two major segments, and so we're going to start with the uh, obvious elephant in the room. Why did Disney Parks experiences and in products increase their revenues 73% from 2021 to 2022? Well, that's the effects of the Rona, right? So uh, what we can then look at is say, What sort of revenues were they seeing from that segment before the RONA hit? So we can go to 2019, around $26 billion. They're seeing around $28 billion. So that's about right. So they've resumed business as usual. Now, what's interesting here is that this segment disney parks experiences and products drove 65 percent of their 2022 profitability but was only 34 percent of revenues is this a cash cow that's funding the other segment which is disney media and entertainment distribution when we refer to cash cows we're referring to what's called the bcg matrix something every mba would learn and it's rather interesting and useful so you can see here low growth, high market share, that's your cash cow. You can't grow it anymore, and then you're taking all the cash so you should have been able to um, expand your margins as much as possible, and all that cash then is used to fund stars ideally. These are high growth, high market share areas, or they may be high growth, low market share areas where you're trying to move into. So the question is, when you look at Disney and you see their cash cows, you know, do their what they're funding with that cash is that uh, high market share or low market share. And this says it correctly. You use this matrix to prioritize different businesses by their degree of profitability. So let's take Disney media and entertainment distribution. This is that other category that accounted for most of the revenue, 66% of 2022 revenues. What they've done here is they've further divided that down. Look at this. So you have of that larger segment then you have sub-segments linear networks so that's regular television for all practical purposes direct to consumer so this would be their subscription offering and content sales licensing and other not so important to understand what these sub-segments do, just pay attention to the below. Look at where 30% margin is coming from, linear network. So that's their cash cow. Then you have direct-to-consumer. Now, I don't know much about that. I know there are people that analyze the potential of this segment, and that would be the next place to go here. You can see that they're operating that at a loss for a reason, probably to capture as much market share as possible. And then they're also operating their content sales and licensing at a loss, too, for whatever reason. So, The next place to go in a Disney stock analysis would be to go in this direction and try to figure out what sort of potential lies down that path. Now, just to conclude, media and entertainment, these are fickle industries where companies need to spend a lot to stay on top of trends that can change as quickly as they fall into Order So Disney may lead the pack, but they've never shown any signs of consistency for dividend growth. As a matter of fact, they cut their dividend in 2020 because of the Rona. So this would never come across our radar. We invest either in disruptive growth or... Uh, dividend growth. Those are the two areas that we look at. Uh, this isn't a growth company, it's not a value company, it's very complex with many moving parts and I think the next step there would be to probe direct-to-consumer economics and possibly the other subsegment, content sales licensing and other. Now I put up another video here that you might want to watch but before you watch that please click this analyze logo on the right, subscribe to our channel, we don't run ads, we need your support. Thanks for taking the time to watch this today. Thank you for listening to the Nanalyze podcast. If you found this information useful, please share this episode with a friend. This helps us to continue to provide thorough research for you. Want more research like this? Want to know what we're invested in and what stocks we're avoiding? Head to nanalyze.com and consider becoming a premium annual subscriber to get access to premium articles, webinars, and our extensive tech stock catalog. Thank you for your time.